Hello, I'm Sarah Archer and you're listening to episode 53 of the Speaking Club podcast. Politics is getting more like a soap opera every day, but I think one piece of advice is coming through loud and clear. Relying on faith and hope is not the best way to secure your political career, especially when charity has already sold her story. I started this podcast for two reasons because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Welcome to the show! If you're a regular listener, thanks for joining me again. And if you're new to the Speaking Club, thanks for giving it a go, and I hope you like it. I also want to say thanks to you if you subscribed or left a review for the show. I've had some people contact me to say that they couldn't work out how to leave a review, so I'm going to post some links in the show notes to show you how. I know everyone who has a podcast parps on about this, but it really helps if you can rate or review the show because they do have an impact on attracting new listeners. It's that social proof thing. I know many of you are also recommending the show by good old-fashioned word of mouth, and I really appreciate that too. Thank you. And now to this week's show. What's it all about? Well, in episode 52 with Simon Fanshawe, if you haven't listened to it, then make sure you do. He's very good. In that show, Simon said that if you... Simon said... uh, Simon said that if you're dull, you shouldn't do public speaking. Now, that was a bit black and white for me, and I wanted to add my opinion into the equation. My view is that being dull doesn't have to be a permanent state, in life or in public speaking. Now, not everyone knows whether they are a dull speaker. In fact, some of the dullest ones often think they're amazing. But chances are, you're a bit dull if audiences are falling asleep, if you're not getting invitations to speak or to speak again, and if no one is turning up to your events, or if you spend the majority of your presentation telling everyone about your achievements and how brilliant you are. Very dull. If you're not sure whether you're a dull speaker, I would suggest you getting a group of trusted people together to give you honest feedback or get a speaking coach to have a listen. If you find that you are a bit dull, then you could do a few things. Give up, like Simon suggested. Carry on boring the pants off people during the limited opportunities you get to speak. Or you could learn how to become a better, more engaging speaker. And that last option is where this podcast episode comes in. In this show, I wanted to share four tools that you can practice and use in your presentation delivery that will make your talks more engaging and less dull. These tools are pitch, pace, tone and volume. And I want you to think of them like this. You know, when painters start, they often draw an outline on the canvas. And this is normally like brown and dull and lifeless. 
But then they begin to add light and shade and colour and depth. And the painting comes to life. Well, pitch, pace, tone and volume have the same impact on your talk. When chefs cook, they use different spices to make a bland dish exciting. Pitch, pace, tone and volume are like those spices. And you can add them to your talk to make it more dramatic and exciting too. As we learned from episode 47 with Jay Miller, another one to listen to if you already haven't, um, your voice is a powerful instrument and how you use it can be a game changer in many aspects of your life, but especially in public speaking. They say that the eyes are the window to the soul. Well, I think your voice is another window to your personality. Audiences will use how you sound to judge who you are, your attitude towards them and how you feel about what you're sharing. Just think about how your voice can convey what state you're in. Love, anger, excitement, frustration, lust, curiosity, jealousy, fear, confusion, confidence, authority and so on. But what you may not have ever fully considered is that your emotional state as expressed through your voice and its pitch, pace, tone and volume, can affect the emotional state of who you're talking to, including your audience if you're a public speaker. That's how rows can escalate into fights or even wars, why movies can make you cry and why women with sexy voices can make a living talking on the phone. If you can harness the power of your voice and use it to influence the emotional state of your audience, stands to reason you're not only unlikely to be dull, but you're likely to become a high-impact speaker. Okay, so let's make sure we're all on the same page of what these terms actually mean before we take a closer look at them. Pitch. Well... Pitch is about how high or low your voice sounds. Pace is the speed at which you talk. Tone is the strength, quality and attitude of your voice. And volume is obviously how loud or quiet your voice is. Let's take a closer look at pitch first. In the episode with Jay Miller, he and I talked about vocal problems associated with each sex. And a few were linked to pitch because studies have shown that people with lower pitched voices can be seen as more authoritative and confident. And people with higher pitched voices sound stressed and apparently are perceived as lower in status. Although, in my opinion, worse than having a high pitched voice or a low pitched voice is someone who has no variation at all in their pitch. It's pretty hard not to have any variation or intonation, as it's called. Um, We do it naturally when we speak. And, you know, those symbols in music, like them, punctuation in our speech guides our intonation. And this intonation or contrastive tone, as it's also called, helps people understand what we're actually saying 
by contrasting the different elements of a sentence. That's why, when speakers have little variation in their pitch, it's harder to listen to and harder to understand them. This intonation is a big thing for people learning foreign languages too, because different languages have their own intonation. So learning how to say something is as important as learning what to say. Especially in Mandarin, I've heard. Apparently that's quite complicated. So... How do we get more pitch variation in our voice and keep it in the sweet spot for people to listen to? Well, there are some things to do and some things to avoid. First of all, and I know we covered this before, you should avoid reading your speech. Because when you read your speech, not only is it likely that you're breaking eye contact and your connection with the audience, which is bad right out of the gate... But it also affects your pitch. Reading can interrupt your natural speech rhythms and lower your contrasted tone. Because, again, as I've said before, there is a difference between the written word and the spoken word. Unless, like comedians, speech writers and dramatists, you can learn to write like you speak, it's not going to sound the same. And that's also why it's critical that before you do a speech, you practice it out loud. Now, even though I've practiced writing for years for the ear, there are still things in my talks that jar when I first read them out loud. And that's when I know I need to rewrite that bit. Second, you might want to think about lowering your pitch when you speak on stage. And I know this might sound odd, but adrenaline and stress tighten your vocal cords and that makes your voice go higher. So no matter how experienced a speaker you are, it's likely you're going to have some nerves and adrenaline pumping before you go on to talk, which will make you squeakier than you normally are. And this might not be true for you, but it's worth recording a talk to see if it is happening. Thirdly, one of the best things you can do is have a pre-talk routine, which can involve a few vocal warm-ups, alongside some relaxation techniques. For the relaxation, try some deep breathing or maybe five minutes or so of meditation. And there's some good apps you can get to help you with that. And there's paid ones and unpaid ones. For the vocal warm-ups, a couple I'd recommend are one that I call the consonant scale, where you're working your way through the consonants and some vowel sounds, which is also good for your diction. And and I'm going to give you an example of that. Okay, I'm going to start with B. Ba 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 b ba 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 b b b ba 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 boo boo boo. And then there's the C. Ka 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 ki ka 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 ki 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 ka 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 ku ku ku, and so on. And I'll put that in the show notes just in case you want to have a go. Um, there's another one called Sirens, which I think probably sound even more silly where you start with the word sing and then take the G sound up and back down, going higher each time. So I think it's like this. Sing. Sing. That didn't sound much different, did it? Oh, enough of that. They work, but you do feel like a bit of a plonker doing them. I hope that didn't blow your speakers as well. Um, 
the last thing to say on this is that the more comfortable you get with your talk, the better your pitch variation will be because the more natural it's going to feel to you. So as I always say as well, rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. Okay, let's talk about pace next. Just like with pitch, using pace, you can influence the emotional state of your audience. And the greatest speech makers slow down or speed up the contr- to control the audience and how their message is received. And your aim, in my opinion, is to have like a normal conversation pace as your you know, home position, your benchmark to return to after you've changed the pace for a particular purpose. And as a guide, normal conversational pace is between 120 and 150 words per minute. And this is an important point. The use of pacing should be intentional. So when should you change pace? Well, you should speed up when you want to reflect and encourage passion, urgency and excitement. And you should slow down when you want to show something is important, when something is sad, to indicate confusion or when a new idea is introduced. And it's important, though, that you don't overdo the pacing as too much speed for too long will overwhelm and going slow for any period is likely to result in snores. The best thing to do is mix it up and keep the majority of your talk at conversational speed and then change pace to emphasise certain points and to encourage the audience themselves to change emotion. And one last point to make on this is to make sure that when you start doing presentations, you slow down because because you'll be nervous, it's likely that you're going to start speaking too fast. So at least for the first few, in addition to lowering your pitch, speak more slowly than you think you need to. Okay, tone. I guess the most significant point to make about tone is that It needs to match what you're talking about and what your face and body are doing. Let me tell you about one of my favourite places to visit. I really love Disney and Universal Studios in Orlando. I first went when I was 18 with my then fiancé. That relationship didn't last, but my love affair with Orlando and its theme parks has continued to this day. I fell in love with the magic, the exhilaration and the happiness I felt there. I spent my 23rd birthday with my mum in Universal Studios and I'll never forget holding my daughter's hand to walk up Main Street when she was just 10 months old. And again last year, when she was 16, it was a poignant moment. That felt odd. To me, and I bet it sounded weird to you. It was a tone more suited to a eulogy, probably actually not really a eulogy, something more boring uh, and uh, depressing than a eulogy. Some of those can be quite entertaining. Celebrating a life, isn't it? Anyway, um, it sounded, it didn't sound like I was talking about my favourite holiday destination, put it that way. And when there's that disconnect, it's called neural dissonance. And when there is this incongruence between your tone and your body language and the subject, not only is it going to confuse your audience, 
but it can also damage your credibility and your influence as a speaker. I think this can also happen when you're reading again or when you're not in the moment. So I was recently coaching some entrepreneurs on their investor pitches and we were working on their story and they were nervous and they'd basically gone into presenter mode rather than just being themselves. Don't get me wrong, you have to be a bit bigger and have more energy when you speak, but you shouldn't lose yourself. To start with, they were really wooden and disconnected. And so I pointed out to them that they were just telling their story. It was something they'd actually lived through. And to try again, just talking about the experiences as if they were having a coffee with a friend. And it made a world of difference. When they relaxed, they had more passion, more energy and more animation in their voice and their body. Our tone of voice tells the audience how we feel about our topic, how we feel about them, and whether we're real. Here are some suggestions for ensuring your whole being is aligned with your content. First of all, use your memory to access your stories rather than scripting them to death and losing the connection with them. Identify the big moments in your talk and showcase them with your voice and your body. Maybe even have some choreographed gestures that go with it. And funnily enough, one of the ways to change your own emotional state is through movement. Everyone's probably heard of power posing for confidence. So even if you're not feeling it by doing the movement, you can often create the feeling and the tone you want to convey. And using characters and dialogue is also another way to affect your tone and your voice and add variety as you'll be playing the other character and you're likely going to change to reflect their difference to you. Cool. Okay, let's talk about volume. Volume. I can't think of any context. I was trying to, thinking about this. I, in a public speaking situation, a presentation, I can't really think of any context where I'd recommend shouting in a speech. If it's a football pitch, fair enough. But uh, so here, I think what I want to talk about is how you can use silence. It can be incredibly powerful if used at the right time. And like speeding up and slowing down, it's also not to be overdone. As an actor, I use silence to focus the audience. Because it's amazing if you're even to do it in a meeting as well. I was talking to a client recently about this and they wanted to get more engagement in, in meetings. But just by s- putting some silence in when you're, sp- when you're speaking in the meeting, it's amazing how quickly people stop doodling or looking at their phone and lift their heads up and pay attention because it's, it's a bit dramatic. Something, something's not usual, so they pay attention. Okay, so so I you know I use it to focus the audience as an actor and as a comedian I use it briefly before the punchline and in that instance I'm using it to raise anticipation and increase the surprise. And as a speaker, there are so many places to use silence that will help you immensely. Um, it also shows the audience that you're confident and in control because often with nerves and adrenaline or insecurity people omit the silence 
feel too self-conscious to do it and they're missing a big opportunity to engage. So silence is most effective when you use it to transition between sections or important points. So after you do the introduction, before you move to the middle and then before the conclusion. It's where you want the audience to absorb what you've said, whether that's to take it in if it's complicated or to fully grasp the idea or something you've given them which could be a revelation. And it also allows the audience to have some brief respite before you take them on to the next phase. You do need to be a bit brave to hold the silence. But just watch great speakers like Barack Obama and JFK who use silence regularly to see the impact it has. Now, I like to imagine as a speaker, you are like a conductor using all the tools you have in your voice, your body and your language like a baton to to harness the orchestra and create something that keeps the audience captivated and on the journey with you. Okay, so there's two more things I want to cover briefly that are related to this topic. And they are energy and language. So energy, let's talk about that first. While you absolutely do need to be yourself as a speaker, as I mentioned, you need to be a bigger version of you. And one of the critical things to bring to the stage to achieve this is energy. When you don't bring enough energy, it can affect your speech patterns, your body language, and as a result, it can affect the audience engagement because they'll come down to where you are. I've been working really hard to make sure my energy stays up throughout all my presentations because no matter how seasoned a speaker or a performer you are, it's something you need to be vigilant about. And last week I did a new talk and I asked for feedback from a trusted friend afterwards and they said, it was great, but your energy dropped a little in the middle. And then they said, the Q&A was really energetic though. And I was intrigued by that because when I was coaching the entrepreneurs I mentioned earlier, I noticed the same thing. We were practicing their pitches and I was also getting them to do the Q&A at the end so that they were ready for the panel they were going to present to later. And the difference in their energy and confidence between the pitch and when they were answering questions was massive. It was almost as if they sort of relaxed once the formal bit of the presentation was over and they could be themselves. And I, I pointed it out to them and I highlighted that there was actually no difference between the pitch and the Q&A. They were still talking about the startup. They knew their stuff. It was their baby and they needed to bring the same energy to the pitch part and attitude. Actually, it was contrast as well in the attitude. It was much stronger when they were answering questions. So next time you have a Q&A, maybe when you're speaking, um, get someone to film your presentation and and the Q&A and see if you can notice a difference. Okay, last thing before I head off. One thing that can really help you to bring music to your voice is surprise surprise using stories and also powerful language stories are amazing for helping you become more entertaining and if you can use comparisons similes and metaphors not only will it make your content more relatable for your audience and engaging too but it's going to make it easier 
for you to make it interesting for them. Cool. So that's pretty much what I had to say. I'm going to play out the podcast today with one of the greatest speeches of all time. So you can hear some of the things that I've talked about in action. But I wanted to sum up. Pitch, pace, tone and volume, along with energy and language, are some of your most precious tools as a speaker. And I want you to recognise the power of your voice and start to play with it by practising some of the things that I've shared with you today. And the things I want you to remember are, first of all, and most important, no one has to stay dull. You can always become more exciting. Learn and practice your talk out loud and rewrite the bits that sound odd spoken. If you feel nervous, consciously lower the pitch of your voice and slow down. Make sure your voice, your body language and your message are consistent. Use purposeful movement to change your state and the state of the audience. Use stories, characters and dialogue to help the variety in your voice. Don't be afraid to use silence. It's so powerful. Give 150% of energy throughout your talk. And lastly, use evocative language to help you engage and entertain. Well, that is it from me today. I hope you found this episode useful. And if you did enjoy it, you know what I'm going to say, please go ahead and leave a rating or review. And I'm going to put this in the show notes as well. But if you go to saraharcher.co.uk slash iTunes, then it will take you to the show page there where you'll find the ratings and review thing. I think it's down the bottom. And saraharcher.co.uk slash Stitcher will do the same thing on that platform. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. Have a cracking week. Go grab your life by the nuts and enjoy this amazing speech by the great Winston Churchill, one that actually helped to win the Second World War. Bye-bye. When Napoleon laid Boulogne for a year with his flat bottom boats and his grand army, he was told by someone, there are bitter weeds in England. There are certainly a great many more of them since the British Expeditionary Force returned. Sir, I have myself full confidence that if all do their duty, if nothing is neglected, and if the best arrangements are made, as they are being made, we shall prove ourselves once more able to defend our island home, to ride out the storm of war, and to outlive the menace of tyranny, if necessary for years, if necessary alone. At any rate, that is what we are going to try to do. That is the resolve of His Majesty's government, every man of them. That is the will of Parliament and the nation, the British Empire and the French Republic, linked together in their cause and in their need, will defend to the death their native soil, aiding each other like good comrades to the utmost of their strength. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France, We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. 
We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it was subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. Hey, if you're listening to this show because you want to start speaking or have a big talk or pitch coming up and you want to make it the best it can be, then you made the right choice because this podcast is the vehicle that can help you get there. But I wanted to tell you about something that will get you there even faster. Something that incorporates all the hacks, tools and tips I've picked up from my years in comedy, theatre, marketing and coaching. And that's my blueprint for creating and delivering a story-led talk that engages, inspires and converts. And the best bit is that I'll be sharing my blueprint and the mindset hack that will help you overcome public speaking anxiety in a free webinar masterclass. To register, go to thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass. This puppy gives you the soup to nuts for creating powerful talks that connect with and engage your audience every time. So grab your place now. That's thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass.